0: Thanks, John. I know that that is a uh, scripture that's very close to your heart. Uh, We're continuing in a series, and this is the last in a series, on John 15 with the focus being Abide in Me. And theologically, it's called Union with Christ. And it is said to be the most important truth in all of Christianity. And so to understand our union with Christ, the consequences and the promises to us, is to understand how God works, is to understand our new life. And this morning, I want you to see that as we look to try to understand exactly what does my abiding in Christ, as he beckons, he says, abide in me, remain in me, stay in me, be in union with me, what does that look like? How do I know if I'm doing it right? And what he does is he offers to us a sermon of his life. You see, time is growing short. Here in John 15, Jesus Christ is just hours a couple of hours away from being seized in the garden. So he doesn't have time for a lot of words. And he makes every one of them count. So the question must have come to the disciples as he's saying, Abide in me and I in you in verse 4. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it bides in the vine. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The disciples must have thought, what, is it, what does it mean abiding in you? I, I see you pointing to a, a vineyard or to a, a, a grape arbor over there and you're saying we're like branches and you're the vine and you're rooted in God. But, and he says, if you really want to understand, look at my life. The relationship that you're going to have with me mirrors the relationship that I have with God the Father. If you want to, to, to look and to see what abiding in me and my love looks like, look through the glass or the lens of how the Father loves me. And so I want to show you three things this morning that he tells them about his relationship with God the Father that are true or are to be true for us. First of all, that we are to enjoy the love of God the Father. We're to experience the love of God the Father. And we're also to experience the love of Christ's commands. And then lastly, we're to experience and we are to love all of His friends. Or as we would say at Two Rivers, Everyone who is a friend of God is a friend of everyone who is a friend of God. Everyone who is a friend with Christ is a friend with everyone who is a friend with Christ, no matter how awkward or difficult that person may be. And so, this morning, uh, I would tell you that as we look at each of these three things, this, when I went uh, to Scotland on sabbatical, I left with one verse Weighing on my heart, it was like a a splinter in my mind. It wouldn't, it wouldn't go away. And that verse is in John seventeen, verse twenty-three. It's in a chapter that we we call the High Priestly Prayer. It's just a couple of hours away, uh, probably about an hour and a half away from John fifteen. He's going to be in the garden. They're in route, walking there now. And he's going to fall on his knees and he's going to pray to God. And we have an opportunity through the disciples recording that prayer to hear what he prays about. And the thing that he prayed about was you and me. We were on his heart. Death, a trial, rejection, cruel physical treatment is ahead of him but we're on his mind. And he prayed in verse 23, Father, this is what I want. I want I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So he's saying, Father, just like you are in me, And now I am in them. I want you and all of your love to be in them. And then all the world looking at them will say, those are certainly disciples of Christ. Those are certainly in Christ because the Father's love is in them. And then Jesus is in them. And then look how they love one another and then look how they love others. And so... Christ prayed this, and Christ is not denied anything by the Father. And we know that this is true, and that this prayer has been answered of Jesus when we experience, as Christians, as sons and daughters, the love of God the Father in us. Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, the Apostle Paul. Praise this prayer similarly for the Ephesian church and of course us as Christians for all churches. He says, I pray, this is earlier, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Pause for just a moment. The greatest desire of every Man and woman, and I would dare to say, child, is this to be completely loved, and not our pose, not my, not my actor feel that I put out there, not the, not the pretend person, but to be fully known, everything known, and yet still loved, to be so known. That some might walk away, but not the not the Christian who has also experienced this love, but also not the Father. That roots us. If we experience that love, it will ground us, it will secure us. Verse 18 May I may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ. That surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you want everything? Fullness of God means all of His love. All of God in you. And how does it come? It comes by a growing comprehension of Christ's love in us. And here's how it works. Notice that Paul says, I'm praying that you have strength to comprehend. That's rather odd language. That's rather odd language. He's not saying that you'll have wisdom. I think he's talking more about endurance. And when I think about comprehension, you know, if I don't comprehend something, I study it. I meditate on it. And in Christianity, meditating is not emptying yourself of every thought, meditating in Christianity which should be a Christian uh, discipline spiritual discipline for us to include that not only in our Bible reading time and personal devotions not only prayer but also meditate as we read we'll begin to meditate. Meditation for the Christian is not emptying yourself but it's feeling yourself and that takes a bit of effort it takes Energy to begin to fill ourselves with this love of Christ. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, If you abide in me, then I want you to experience my love for you and in you in the same way that I experience the love of the Father. Let me put it differently. God the Father and Jesus Christ love one another. And that love that has now come into you and that you're in union with when you, say, when you become a Christian is no different. It's no different. It's not substandard. It's not any less. Now we can experience it less because we fail to comprehend it. But it is there for us to draw from. Think about His love, and I can't—I can't, I can't uh, make the sermon simply about experiencing and knowing the love of Father because we abide in Him. But what about God's Father, God the Father's love? It's eternal, never stops, never ends. It is unchangeable. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any less. Never. It is gentle and tender. It is patient. It is enduring. It is not self seeking. God the Father puts Jesus Christ forward for him to be glorified and all things to come under him. What does Christ do? Christ comes to us and He says, I will share My throne. I will share My crown. I will share all My Father's inheritance. He's not like the older son in the prodigal story who's saying, what's that scoundrel doing back here? You already gave him his inheritance. That calf that you slaughtered, that's My calf. And He begrudged him. Jesus is not like that. He's the perfect older brother when us prodigals come back and He says, give out of all My inheritance I share my crown. I share my throne. Are you experiencing that love? It will root you. It will ground you. When I was in Scotland the first day that I was in the community, where I would be preaching on Sundays and have the rest of the week to myself on my sabbatical, I was talking to uh, two members of the presbytery there, an elder of the church, and just talking about the worship there is quite different from what we have. The format's very different. And so I was saying, um, as I prepared to preach, I said two things. Number one, how long do preachers preach? And I had this stereotype that Scottish people who just love theology and, and uh, I mean, it's the, it's the homeland of Presbyterianism with John Knox. I had this idea that they just the preachers there just preach 50 minutes to an hour every Sunday. He said, no, 35 minutes is about what we prefer. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, And then I said, secondly, what's the struggle? What is a a struggle or a burden that that Scottish people, Christians have? And he said right out of his mouth, I mean, he just didn't even pause. He said lack of assurance. Lack of assurance. They have they're constantly doubting that God the Father and Christ the Son really love them. They have this sense that God the Father and Christ the Son just kind of tolerate them because they have to. I asked one lady, uh, wife of an elder, we were, we were having lunch, and I had, she had heard, was asking a question about some things I had said in Galatians. And I asked her a question. And I said, "Uh, Margaret, right now, when you think of God the Father's face looking down upon you, what expression do you see? She didn't answer. And she says, I need some time to think about that. And it's not a hard question. But I think she wanted some time to think it through. Later, and it was... Well, over a week when I saw her again, I said, I still haven't, I'm still waiting for the an answer. And she said, Well, she said, You really made me think. She says, I initially, the thing that came to mind is that he's frowning and that he's clicking his tongue. There she goes again. And she said, But the gospel tells me that it's a radiant smile that looking to me through Christ, He gives me the same love and He sees me through Christ as His daughter. But she said, I'm torn because there's still a part of me that doubts and I lack assurance of His love. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this week. If you struggle, if you struggle to understand and grasp, even in, the, even in the smallest ways. And this is a rich, rich mine. We need to, to mine ore out of the, the love of God often. Pray a very simple prayer. Father, will you tell me how you love me? Will you show me how you love me? Will you reveal to me your love for me? It's a simple prayer, but then be expectant as you wait. Um, I've got to go, but some of you also may need to do some business with God um, in that He is a Father. And as you come to Him as His child, you're coming in that position And don't see him like you might see your father here on earth. And I know a number of folks have a very strained relationship with their father. This father has no wrath. This father has no anger. This father has no condemnation, no judgment for you. This father has open arms. My mentor, uh One of my mentors, Jack Miller, called his prayer time in the morning. He said, it is meeting with the Father in the morning. And he said, my Father is already there in this place that I pray. And He is eager, like a father, eager to see His child who's freshly awakened from a night's sleep, to talk to me, to hold me, to listen to me. So some of us need to... Reposition our prayers and realize that when we pray, we're talking to our Father in heaven. Uh, Secondly, if you remain in Christ, if you abide in Christ, then you need to abide in the love of the commandments. If you love someone, you can ask things of them. Love, the kind of love that asks, the kind of love that gives everything, ask everything. And that's what Christ is saying. We hear the term commandment, and we're so, particularly in the West, our self inside begins to stand up when we hear the term commandments. And we think about servitude, we think about rules. We think about losing our independence. It couldn't be farther from the case. That's not what Christ is asking when he says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus Christ experienced life and joy and it was His Pleasure to do his father's bidding. He said, I came not to do my will, I came to do his will. And he didn't do it begrudgingly. And he said, if you're my son or daughter, if we're in union with one another, if you're in me, then it will be the same with you. That these commandments of mine will not be a burden or a chore or a labor, but they'll be an act of love. Think about a married couple that are, that are madly in love. With one another. One comes to the other and says. I am consumed by my love for you. You may now consume me. You can have everything. Everything that I have is yours. And it no longer looks at self. To serve self. But it looks to the other." And it finds completion and fulfillment in loving the other. And we read in James 2, verse 22 through 23, that faith, you see, that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Abraham didn't simply when he was in the Ur of the Chaldees as a pagan. God came to him and he said, "I put my love upon you, and now I'm calling you to follow me." And Abraham believed and he said, "I will follow you. I will follow you." And did he go? He did. In other words, faith had legs. And so, one way, we can certainly say, I want the love of God the Father. But as that love now, I'm in Christ, and I'm abiding in Christ, that love can make request of me. And that love makes request of me only that as an object of Christ's love and God's love, it makes request of me that strengthen our loving relationship. They either teach me how to love God and Christ or they teach me how to love myself. All right, now I'm going to All right. I know we got kids in the room, so I'll say this very sensitively. When Wendy and I first got married, some 34 years ago, I didn't know squat about girls or women. For crying out loud, I went to an all-male school. And uh, I was just too geeky and I couldn't get out of my own way in high school. Dates, to me, I was a nervous wreck. Well, here's this beautiful woman, and I'm now in a relationship with her, and we get married. So you have this thing called the honeymoon after you get married. And I was a nervous wreck. Because I was like, I I really want to get this right. And so, in speaking with Wendy, as we're driving, going to, to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, a chalet that we had rented there for our honeymoon, I said, I want you to teach me how to love you. And I want to know, I want to know, what do you like? What do you think about? What do you dream of? And it wasn't hard at all because I was so loved by her. I was saying, teach me so I can love you. And Christ's commands are that way. They're not burdensome when we see it as a lover to another lover saying, here are my happy commands. And all of these commands aid in our relationship as you abide and remain in me. The psalmist in Psalm 119 says in your steadfast love give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. And then in verse 124 he says deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. What comes first? Commands or love? It's always God saying I love you. Remain in my love. You are now in a relationship with me. Have all of my love. And then from our love of Christ and His love experienced, out of that steadfast love, He issues from His mouth commands, wishes, desires. That's the testimony of His mouth. And so, I've been praying this week for myself out of the valley of vision this Father, give me grace to be holy, kind, gentle, pure, and peaceable. To live for Thee and not for self. To copy Thy words, acts, spirit. To be transformed unto Thy likeness. To be consecrated wholly to Thee. To live entirely to Thy glory. So what happens is, as you see someone who is emptying themselves in order to be filled with the, the love of God. We said, we had this illustration from the very beginning here in John 15 that Christ is pointing to a vine. And He says, I'm rooted, I'm that vine that is rooted in the love of God my Father. And then from that vine, we come forth as branches. And he says, I want you to take sustenance from my love. And more than that, there is now no obstacle from you experiencing my Father's love that comes from the root, but it's coming through me to you. You can see and experience the Father's love by abiding in my love. Nothing is denied you in that love. And now, grow. Gerald May, in his book on addiction, makes this comment. It's important to see that spiritual growth process involves far more relinquishment than acquisition. In our culture, we are conditioned to expect growth to involve acquisition of new facts and understandings. To put it neurologically, the functional systems of our brain are used to elaborate upon themselves as growth happens. We have, in a way, become attached to the very process of expanding our attachments. Simply put, Spiritual growth is more a matter of subtraction than it is addition. The commandments of God are not simply going through and writing out all the commandments, committing in the memory, and saying okay, I'm gonna do that. I'm not gonna steal, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak harsh words to someone else, I'm not gonna it's it's not something, it's not a burden. His commandments are really more saying, less your will more my will. Less your way, more my way. It's in, here's what it would look like. That you would always keep your nose in one of the Gospels. That no matter what your Bible reading plan is, and there's some wonderful reading plans, you would always try to keep an eye on Jesus Christ. And in watching Jesus Christ You're listening to hear His voice. You're watching how He interacts with people. You're watching this Christ, and you're going to find that His commands are really few. And you're going to find that they all help us to conform in a loving relationship with Him. But as you watch Jesus Christ, you say, I want to be more like that. Keep your nose in the Gospels. So we're praying to experience the Father's love. Father, tell me again how you love me. Show me your love this week. Remind my heart. Help me comprehend. Help me. How wide is your love? How deep is your love? How high is your love? Begin to do that work of, of prayerful comprehending his love it will root you and then watch jesus christ and listen to his voice listen to his words the testimony of his mouth and take them as your commands but as coming from one who loves you and then lastly not only experience the love of god the father not only experience a love for the commandments of jesus but also abide in the love of his friends. John 13:15 says, I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus Christ said this as he was washing the feet of his disciples at the last supper. The word the the word in verse 17 where it says these things I command you, the word there for these is a directional word. So if I could say these things over here, these things, and in, in Greek, in the way that it's used here, it's to say, if you want to understand my commands that I'm asking you to love, here's where all of my commands lead. It's a mutual love. I love you. You love me. What a happy command. I now say, here's my command. Love one another. Love one another. Don't love one another first. Love me first. But then in that love, you can love one another. And what does that love look like? Well, it looks like the love that Christ has shown to us is selfless and is sacrificial. How can I do that? as I experience His love, then I'm able to then love one another. And let me, um, let me just say that... Let me, say, let me address two people before I end. First of all, there's some of you who have a theology or a Christianity that says, it's me and God. Man, I love, yeah, I love God the Father. And I love His commands. But this last part about loving His friends, people are messy. You don't know the hurt that, that, that I've received. Do you know what? I mean, you just, people just take and take and take. It's just me and God. I love God, but boy, I just stay away from people. I don't need people. I don't need anything that people can give me and I don't have really anything to offer to them, so I'm just a Christian. It's just me and God. No. Jesus says, love one another. It's a command. And if we read the word these correctly, it is what every command points to. To love God and love one another. And that's how Christ was able when the lawyer tried to put him in a corner and said, okay, out of all these 678 commandments, which one is the most important? He said, the most important is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then the second is like unto it. In other words, it's inseparable. The other side of that coin is love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love God if you don't love your neighbor. And you can't love your neighbor if you are not experiencing the love of God. So, you're not obeying the command. Secondly, for those that perhaps are regular attenders at Two Rivers, and maybe it's crossed your mind, you know, these guys aren't so bad. They like me, I like them. I think I might join this church. This might be a good church to join. You need to realize we are messed up. I'm not trying to send you to the doors. We are we're messed up, but we're sons and daughters. And we're we're in this place and we are committed to love one another. We're committed, we will by the power of the gospel, we are growing able. This is a safe place. We're growing able to make ourselves vulnerable. We're losing our pose. Because we know that at Two Rivers we're saying we're committed to love anyone that God brings into this place because of the way that God is committed to love us through Jesus Christ. So welcome. But know that about us. Know that about any church. Any church that you join will say, you know, Yes, we are to love one another and we're a very loving church. But the test comes, do we love each other when we're difficult? Do we love one another even through the hurts or the the wounds that we can inflict upon one another? Do we fiercely commit to loving one another just as God is fiercely through Christ committed to love us when we're at our worst? Christ says where that takes place it's transformational. That love transforms me. When you love me at my worst, that's a transforming love. You become God's fingers on His hand, loving me. And I experience again the love of God that has surrounded me with sons and daughters that love me in this church family. The word... Well, Jesus Christ says that when it's all boiled down, it comes down to this. The way that you'll know a person is a Christian, the way that you will know that a person abides in Christ, that they're in union with Him, is that they're in union with love, the love of God the Father. And it roots them just as Christ was rooted in that love. And they do. They, they draw from the vine. And they obey His commands. It's a loving, intimate relationship. And there are other branches there too, next to us. And we love them. And we come to be known as Christ's disciples. Not by our great knowledge, but by our acts of love to one another. What a vision for two rivers. What a vision. You know, I think if we were to start a church, what if we put the name two, like two rivers in the church? You know, like there's two rivers. Wanda's not counted as a river necessarily. But there's two rivers in Charleston. And it makes a peninsula. And what if we say one of the rivers is the love of God? That we experience. We give, God has put His love upon us and we worship and give Him our love. But then out of that flows another river. That river is a love for one another and being loved, deeply loved by one another. Wow! What if we name a church that? Two Rivers Presbyterian Church. What if we become a people who are known for that and model that? Where will the strength come to do that? People, people take, you're, you're a lot of work. You are. And you're going to come back at me and say, no, wait a minute. If we're comparing notes, Stagner, all the time, the energy to do that comes from here. Whenever you look to just keep on loving another person, it crosses your mind, how can I just continue to love this person? We look again and draw deep, we eat from this feast, we drink from this cup, the very love of God through Jesus Christ. And that fills me with His love. And then I'm able from here, from this table, every week, to go and to love one another. And that is to His great glory. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would take this bread and this cup and you would turn them, though humble elements, into a feast that from this fullness, from Jesus Christ, that we would take and eat again of His great, enduring, steadfast love for us. And then being filled, that love, that love would be on exhibit in our life and that we would love you and that we would love others and this is our prayer in Christ's name amen